Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. We have got a lot to get to. Let's get right to it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to drop in right now. Um, Berg and I are going to spend a lot of time talking about John Brandon as the new hire for the Cincinnati Bearcats. But before we do that, once we finished uh, this recording, I had a chance to have a very special guest join me and record a little segment. So we're going to drop that in here at the beginning for everybody. I know everybody wants to hear from him. Uh, so I'm going to put it, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take it out of chronological order. I'm going to drop it in right now. Here is my chance to talk to the new Cincinnati head coach and, uh, and, and the Bearcats front man for the foreseeable future, John Brandon. All right. And with that, we welcome in someone that I have been having on podcast since 2006 when he became an assistant coach at VCU, a guy that I, I have a long history with and a guy that I am very happy for. Welcome in the new Cincinnati head basketball coach, John Brandon. Coach, how are you? Chad, I'm doing great. It's uh, really excited about getting on here with you again tonight, and uh, certainly from a different role. Uh, but uh, it's uh, been a busy 36 hours. You know the one the one beautiful thing about this podcast that is different from that first podcast with you when you were at VCU is that Michael Donnelly is not on it. <laughs> well, you, 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 you could probably qualify that in a lot of the different areas besides just the podcast. <laughs> For those that don't know, Michael is a mutual friend we go way back with who uh, might be the most excited person on the planet that John is the head coach at Cincinnati. But let, let's get into it, Coach. Um, uh, obviously, a whirlwind process. I know you've talked a lot about what the, 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 the days leading up to being hired have been like. What have the days been like since you agreed and, and signed on the dotted line to be the head coach at Cincinnati, the the press conference and, and all the things that went with uh, getting to know the team those first couple days, and then you get your first workout today and, and you get your first chance to, to see what you got? You know, when you take over a program, uh, you, you, you feel like sometimes you're on a treadmill, which means you're running hard, but you're not quite sure if you're getting anywhere at first. And... Uh, you know, really feel like that where we've gotten the most in the last few days is spending quality time with our players. And, uh, I mean, between individual meetings and lunches and workouts and phone conversations and texts and just the opportunity to really spend quality time with them has been, uh, it's been good for me and I hope good for them. I hope they've enjoyed as much as I have. So that's been the biggest thing. And, and then the other piece is just getting on the floor today and getting a chance to get some workouts in was good. Uh, we'll continue to do that the rest of the week as we lead into the recruiting and then the next steps take place. But there's so many things you got to get to and you got, you, there's so many people you got to touch. I haven't returned hardly any text messages or phone calls. There's so many people that have to understand that I'm, I'm getting to you, but right now it's a bit of a one man show. So, uh, we're, we're, we're going forward. Uh, the thing, you know, you talk about getting to know the players. What What is your overall impression? I'm not going to ask you about specifics, obviously, but what was your overall impression of the, of the guys you've gotten to know? Uh, you knew Trey Scott coming in, so I'm sure that was beneficial, knowing the guy that's kind of the vocal leader of the team from recruiting him when you were at Alabama. But uh, And getting to know these guys, what has been your initial impression? Uh, Coach Cronin's built a great culture in terms of the type of young men that are in the program. Uh, you know, really, I think they get good, good kids. I think they're good teammates. Um, I really didn't enjoy their, each one of their stories. Um, I think they're genuine in their communication. So, uh, you know, a lot of times when you walk in, coaches complain about culture and things like that. And, uh, I certainly, I certainly don't. I think, uh, 
but Coach Cronin and his staff uh, have done an outstanding job and uh, certainly really enjoyed getting to know these young men in the short period of time that I've had with them. How beneficial has that relationship with Trey been? And, and, and obviously you know uh, and you see now what he's become, become just a, an outstanding young man, a grown man now actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, walking through the door knowing Trey from years past has really helped. He's one of the leaders of the team. I think he can communicate to the guys, you know, kind of who I am a little bit. And, uh, what I really like is the fact that he's a really good basketball player. That helps. And uh, he's, got, he's gotten better. He's gotten stronger. He's starting to, you know, do different things on the floor. And, uh, but, no, it's just, you know, the familiarity there with him and I, albeit not intimate in terms of the last several years, is uh, has really been has really been. Uh, you know, made it for an easier transition probably for both of us. Uh, one thing you mentioned in your press conference, uh, effective field goal percentage, which tells me big-time analytics guy and, and, and the shift that has happened in college basketball uh, over the past couple of years towards analytics. What are your thoughts on the analytical side of basketball? How do you balance that with, you know, the, what's it, the eye test, as it's called now, some of the old metrics, uh, some of the new stuff? How does that define John Brandon's style of coaching? That's a great question. I think you do have to balance it. Um, I think you got to look at it in two aspects, Chad. I think first and foremost, from a coach's eye, you take the analytics, um, and we'll go a little bit more advanced here a little bit with the resources that we have, and we'll extract a little bit more from the numbers from a scouting standpoint, from a self-scout standpoint, and then from a scheduling standpoint. I think that'll be the new use of analytics for us this year. Okay. Uh, and then the other piece of it is what do you provide to your team? And that will, however, be a little bit different. We'll we'll streamline the information to them, and uh, and then we'll take what we get and the gut feel that I have in the eye that I have, and then we'll streamline it to the players in a certain way. So it's kind of a two-step process, and one one being a little bit more in depth, and the other being a little bit more streamlined. Being a recruiting site, recruiting you know place where people go for recruiting info, how do you manage to use analytics, uh, or, or can you? On the recruiting side, is it too difficult to use the stuff from high school numbers and AAU numbers, or is there a way you can look at those and say, we think we know this translates, we think this translates? How does that work? You know, some of the major leagues, like the you know the, the Nike uh, league that they do, and some of them keep some analytics, but not nearly as much, just because you don't have as many of those resources at your fingertips in terms of stuff that you trust that you're looking at. Right. And you know, something new comes out every day, but. We'll utilize that, Chad, more if we got to make, and we'll never make a rash decision in recruiting. But maybe if you're coming down to the wire where it's, you know, you got to make a quicker decision because it's a grad transfer or it's a transfer that's going to have a two week recruitment versus a two year recruitment, you may utilize those aspects a little bit more than you typically maybe want to or would in a normal recruiting cycle. I'm curious when we talk recruiting, uh, a good portion of your career was spent at Alabama. Um, is there anything being there? I know it, it, it's not the football program, but is there anything being there, being around Nick Saban, um, being around that culture that you learned on the recruiting side of things? It wasn't just recruiting. Uh, a, lot, a lot of what we do cultural development-wise in terms of overall operational of our staff and operational of our daily process that we call uh, quality control was taken from some of the Alabama football stuff. So Alabama football, being there for as long as I was, impacted not only from a recruiting standpoint, watching how they do things, but also from a uh, from a, from an overall program standpoint. Um, but the culture of recruiting is certainly something that's an everyday thing. It's something you gotta you gotta attack, but it's also something that ties into what you currently have. I think 
the mistake that we will not make will be just bringing in players and then hoping it works out when they get here. Every player we take needs to be a good fit for what we currently have and how we want to play. Um, you talked about the region, uh, and it's, it, I thought this was interesting when looking at, at, at some of your file um, closer. That, I mean, obviously we've known each other for a long time, but I just digging – you did a really good job recruiting regionally when you were at VCU. You did a really good job recruiting regionally when you were at at Alabama. Those weren't necessarily your two recruiting regional hotbeds. You were able to immerse yourself in those, though. And then, obviously, now at, when you were at Northern, you're in this region. Is that one of your main focuses, is is recruiting the region, recruiting players that are you know familiar with your program or familiar with your region? I think for several reasons one of which they've got an association with our university in some form or fashion, whether it be understanding the brand more or a family connection. But the other piece goes back to the culture piece, right? You got people in their support system who have an ability to get to them if they need, you know, if they're having a tough time, which all kids go through adversity, you know, their support systems close to them. So I think, you know, the region helps with that. Now there's a ton of really good players in the region. But this is also, I liken it to several NBA scouts for for the fans out there. They park in Cincinnati, get a hotel room, and then they spend a week or two weeks going to all the great programs. Okay? So what that tells you is there's an elite amount of competition for players in this region. So we got to do a good job of getting involved early and uh, understand that we'll have to go outside the region just as as well uh, as, as focus on this area, which I said in the press conference and I told our staff we'll do. That's uh, I think that's something people don't really think about a lot. Is it's easy to say we want to recruit the tri-state area, but you have a lot of programs: Ohio State, Indiana, Xavier, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, a lot of programs with a huge amount of history that are also saying we would like the best players in those states as well. So it does make it very difficult. Yeah, you got Purdue, Notre Dame. Purdue, Notre, yeah, that it just, it just goes on and on. So you know, I'll put our brand up against anybody. Make no mistake about that, and we're gonna fight like you know, you know what, to, to, to get involved with all those guys. But there, 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 this is, I would say, and Chad, you can attest to this more than anybody. This area might be the most competitive recruiting area in basketball in the yeah. country. I, I would agree. It's and we didn't even mention Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, it <laughs> it is not an easy task. Um, when you're looking at this region, but I mean that's part of the that's part of the fun of the job, though, right? You got to put on the gloves and get in there and fight and try to get as many of these kids as you can. No question. You know, I want people to understand Cincinnati is going to be involved in those players, and you know we're going to do our due diligence. And you know, the focus of the first 48 hours here has been, you know, making sure our players are recruited. You know, you get a job and you run all over the place and recruit, and you forget the men in in, in, in your gym who have pride. Paul, they have pride right. with the University of Cincinnati, and those are your first, those are the most those are the biggest priorities, and uh, that's what we made. That's where we put our priorities in the first forty eight hours. One more before I let you go. I, I appreciate you taking out a little bit of time out of your busy schedule, but um, how long do you think it's going to be before you are able to sit down on your couch and go, "Wow, this really happened"? Because I know that probably hasn't happened yet. It hasn't. My wife's trying to get me to do it. Um, so that would probably require all my family members that came in town from a news conference to get off my couch. So that would probably be a first thing. Uh, but no, it, it's a great question, Chad. I haven't had the opportunity to do that. Uh, I've taken over some jobs before, so I, I, I don't anticipate that happening for a little while. 
All right, Coach. Well, greatly appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been an awesome experience over the past couple of days uh, watching this process go down. Congratulations on being the head coach at Cincinnati, and I look forward to uh, – we'll be talking frequently, I, I assume, over the next uh, couple of years. I look forward to it. All right, thanks. thanks. so much. All right, Berg. That's the good stuff from Coach Brandon. Uh, obviously, we don't know what he said because I haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be transparent. You're, yeah, you're talking to me first, then you're going to record that. You're going to put him ahead of me because I think people want to hear him a little more than they want to hear me. Not by much, probably, but they want to hear him more than yes. they want to hear me. Yeah. All right, but before we get started... Always remember, this podcast is brought to you by Trace Poundhouse Coffee. Fresh roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans is shipped fresh, and it has a road state clearly printed on it, so you know your coffee was just produced. Roast, co- roast coffee, Seaberg, I did it perfect a minute ago. I screwed this one up, but anyway, freshly roasted coffee tastes the best. There's a huge difference between drinking coffee that has been freshly roasted versus even just a few weeks old. All the coffee you find in your grocery and even gourmet food stores has been sitting there for weeks. So get the fresh stuff. You can find out about Trace Poundhouse Coffee by going to tracepoundhouse.com slash coffee. That's T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh and shipped out immediately. 12-ounce bags and whole bean and ground coffee. You can also get K-Cups. Choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. So go to the website. Place your order, get a subscription every one, two, or four weeks. They will ship you the coffee. When you sign up, you go to checkout and you enter Bearcats, and that'll get you 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription, as well as free shipping. All right, Berg, we're gonna we got a lot to get to. We don't have a lot of time to do it. Uh, I'm gonna give my uh, my opening thoughts on this, uh, and then I'll let you go. I know you've got a lot prepared, a lot you want to talk about. Uh, what I will say, Berg, is I think it was time. I think it was time for this program to get a fresh face. And that's not a shot at Bob Huggins. That's not a shot at McCronin. It has been 30 years that this program has been under the watch of those two men. Almost 700 wins. It's It was a really, really good run for that 30 years. But I think this fan base was ready for a different message. I think this fan base was ready for something new. I think this fan base has watched basketball evolve and Cincinnati hasn't necessarily evolved with it. I don't think what Cincinnati has done is in any way, shape, or form a bad thing in the way that they've gone about winning 700 games in 30 years. But the game has adjusted. The game has shifted. And I think Cincinnati fans saw that and thought, when are we going to adjust? When are we going to shift? I think now's that time. I think they had a great hire right across the street at Northern Kentucky University, a guy with ties to the greater Cincinnati area. His dad's from St. Bernard. He spent a lot of time in St. Bernard as a kid with his family. Um, he grew up in northern Kentucky. He's been around this area his entire life. And I just think everybody was ready for a change, was ready for something new. And when Mick Cronin took the UCLA job, this has afforded Mike Bone and his athletic department that opportunity. I think they ran a, a very well-organized, a very uh, direct and um, – it was thorough, but when they got down to the business of this is you know this is who we want to talk to, this is the the decision we want to make. They jumped all over it. They made it happen. They got their coach. John Brandon is now in charge. The offensive evolution is here, and uh, I think it's a good thing for the future of Cincinnati basketball. Take it away. Welcome in Justin Berg, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Berg. 
Yeah, off the clock, Justin Berg. Something had to happen to get me onto a podcast after the season's over. And something did. And like you said, 30 years, man, it's like it's like the same flavor. Not that it was a bad flavor. It was a flavor I really, really liked that produced a lot of fun players, a lot of great wins, a lot of tournament appearances, some runs, all kinds of stuff. Um, I enjoyed that flavor. But, yeah, after 30 years, you're like, all right, let me try a different one, see what that's like. Doesn't mean it's going to be better, just going to be different, right? So, so here we are, John Brandon, man. I mean, I got home last night and put on his press conference and uh, was pretty fired up. I would say uh, I bet a lot of people listening to this who who also watched it, um, a good percentage probably felt the same way. Just like you said um, before we were recording the other one, uh, how direct he is. Like. I just didn't expect him to come out there and kind of just stand up there and be like, this is how I play. This is what we're going to do. Hey, recruits around the area, we're coming. All that kind of stuff. But you know him. You've known him for so long that that, that didn't shock you at all, right? No. Uh, we we go back a couple years. We've known each other yeah. for a little while. I'm yeah. sure people are tired of hearing me talk about that. Um, but I mean, that's just who John is. He, he's very direct. He's very um, – He's very straight to the point. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's going to get to what he has to say. And he got to what he had to say, and that was his <laughs> message for the future of the Cincinnati program. And I know you and, and many other Bearcat fans, they, you know, there's a lot of different ways to win the press conference. Sometimes it's higher in that big splashy name, you know, and the guy comes in and kisses babies and charms everybody. That wasn't really this. He worked a couple jokes in. I always think that's important for a, a, an introductory press conference. Show some humility. Um, he got a he got a nice little jab in it, Mick. That he had big shoes to fill, just not figuratively. That was <laughs> the, a good the, one. Ti- the Tiger Woods. Yeah, mean to steal your thunder. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, he, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say I actually had top of my list was compare and contrast Cronin and Brandon, and so right away we're getting some some similarities with with the directness and the not beating around the bushness. Cause as we know, Mick, he always said what he was thinking, even if he maybe shouldn't have at times. Um, so what else do we got? I mean, what else is, what else is similar? And then I know there's a lot of major differences, of course. Um, I mean, just in personality type, I don't think they are that different. They're both very demanding. They're both insanely competitive. Um, so I, th- I think some of those things that made Mick a winner also exists with John. You know what I mean? Like that drive that no matter what happens, we're going to figure out a way to be up by one when the clock hits zero. Um, but the thing is, I just think they have different ways to go about it. This and somebody, and I've said this on a lot of my appearances and I don't know who said it on the board, um, but it, it kind of resonated a little bit. So I've been talking about it quite a bit. He's got a lot of Patino in his system. The way that he does things, which isn't a surprise because he's a disciple of Billy Donovan. He's on the Billy Donovan tree. He hasn't ever coached under Billy Donovan, but he played under Billy Donovan and then started coaching in Billy Donovan's coaching tree with Anthony Grant uh, in 2006. So 94 feet, they're going to press. They're going to he said something, I think, that really that really jumped out at me. And I'm sure this jumped out at you. Uh, We're going to force teams. We're going to make sure teams can't run plays. We're going to make sure you force them into have to making plays. Mm. 
I don't know if you caught that in the press yeah. conference when he said that or not. But that's to me that was a big one because that's. I mean, it's not all that dissimilar to the def- or the the defense that we've seen recently. Um, it's going to be a different style of defense. And I know there's some people out there that if they never see a matchup zone again, um, it, it'll be better for them. I, I know you weren't a huge fan of it, or at least what it what it meant in terms of defending the three-point line. What, what you will love, Berg, is defending the three-point line is one of the things Northern Kentucky has done uh, just about as well as anybody in the country. And I'm sure you have looked up that analytic multiple times just to make sure that it was true. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it was... I thought I thought it was interesting that he went out and just named three stats that he said that this is where we're going to live and 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 they were three stats. Well, okay, one of them I would say you know Cronin has has talked about quite a bit assist to turnover ratio. Although he mostly was forcing was talking about not having turnovers, but it's virtually the same thing because he always talked about passing the ball. But then he said defensive rebounding and then effective field goal percentage. Now that was there's a, there's a new age term. Um, and I know that he has a reputation for doing a little, uh, I, I guess you would call it like Mike D'Antoni ball with, with Houston as far as they, they, he just wants mostly threes, layups, and free throws. So, you know, there's 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 like a, a you know, just a, a new look at things. So I thought I thought just those types of things coming out of his mouth and, and, and then going and looking at NKU and saying, oh, okay, so you see they actually were really good at defensive rebounding. They, you know, they were sixth in the country last year in assist rate and, and um, their effective field goal percentages in the top 100 all the last three years, and so, yeah, I mean, so th- I mean, there's your there's your contrast as far as like what what because Mick always talked about certain areas, um, defense rebounding, and and you know not not turning the ball over, and so the other part about it was that um, the the uh, the mantra for for Brandon was chance goes to the aggressor. Chance, that, favor, that, chance favors, favors the aggressor. Favors. That's right. Okay. So um, part of that is is that, you know, you get a rebound, go. See if there's something there. Go check. If there's not a great shot, then okay, then you run something. I think that was something that, that a lot of fans had issues with the last few years. So there's there's just like there's a big time contrast in that. The other part of um, – and this is, this is a little off the beaten path from the press conference was uh, a, a little Buddhism – type of stuff coming out of, out of Brandon talking about like divorcing yourself from, from the outcome, you know, trusting without knowing what the outcome is or not needing to know the outcome. I thought that was, there, there was, there was some things in there. Um, you know, and he, he'd also mentioned a lot about like being present and being, um, you, you know, enjoying where you are and, and, and relishing it. And, you know, I know you want to get somewhere else, but like, just, you know, so anyway, I thought I didn't, I didn't expect, so it was just a lot of stuff all over the map from that. And that resonated with me, and so I was pumped after the the uh, press conference. And I, I I sent you a message. You called me, and you're like, "You all right? You good?" So that was uh, that was yesterday. So, but but beyond the press conference, so I want to know this, Chad. You know, we we talked a few times the last week, but like, what were these the last seven days, man? I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, I can't get into a lot of it, but <laughs> it was it was very long days, generally. Starting about seven thirty to eight o'clock in the morning, there was a lot of times I would wake up at seven thirty, and there would already be like five text messages and two missed calls, which that's just too early for me. Yeah, I'm not a morning person. I'm a I'm a, I'm a night owl. So if I get up at seven thirty, my phone better be clear, unless it's somebody like at two a.m. that hit me up. <laughs> um, 
and then pretty much straight throughout the day, uh, there was a lot of nights where I got done at 3, 3.30, sleep up at 7.30. So there was a lot of a lot of 20-hour days. Um, yeah, because you're doing football too. Well, yeah, doing football and then, well, but even football got trumped. I was still there. Um, I just couldn't. I, I, I tried to take a nap twice uh, throughout that seven-day period where my body was just like, bro, we got to get some sleep. <laughs> and the, the first time I got 12 minutes and my phone rang again with the call I had to take. And then two days later, I, I tried again and I got like 37 minutes and I woke up from that nap berg and I felt like a million dollars. I know, I know that feeling for a different reason, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's, it's, like it's very similar. Night. No, it's very similar to having like the, when you, when you have a little one, Yeah, you know, you just, there's, there's never any like consecutive hours of sleep. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of sifting through. That's what ends up happening in these coaching searches now. Anyway, everybody's trying to like have the hot tip. Everybody's trying to 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 put out that nugget that leads to who ends up being the hire. And a lot of times, you're just trying to figure out like, is this is this person right? Is that person involved? Is this going on? Is that going on? And it's a lot of like shooting down rumors more than like confirming anything because especially with this one like John was was a guy that was at the top of the list from the very start and I, and I think as they and they talked about this in the press conference yesterday as they continued to vet candidates <clears throat> they would get to a point with each person they were considering um and it would be like well okay let's compare him to John and then they would compare him to John and be like, well, John's the better choice. On to the next one. Um, so it was just narrowing that down. And, you know, coaches obviously talk and, and names get out there, especially into the national media, coaches and agents uh, trying to get their name out there, trying to, to get a raise or just trying to increase their profile by saying they were involved in a job like Cincinnati. Um, but I ultimately think you know, John was – right at the top of the board, if not the top of the board, very early in the process. And it was like um, like king of the hill. And nobody could, could get to the top of that hill and dethrone him. Uh, and he was able to, to knock down everybody over that, you know, three, four-day period where they were vetting candidates. And then he, he crushed the interview process. Um, and from there, it was, you know, figure out a contract, figure out where they could meet in the middle. I, I know Darren Savino – did get a very legitimate shot to earn the job. I know he impressed a lot of people uh, over the last week while Mick Cronin uh, had, had headed out to Los Angeles, um, but it, it just wasn't enough. And 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 John did a great job, uh, just conveying his message to not only Mike Bone and, and Brandon Sosna and the selection committee, but to President Pinto. The thing about John is he's a really really smart guy. So I know he went into this really prepared. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Luke Fickle, who was at the uh, the meeting um, where the you know the where John was talking to Bone and the selection committee. Um, but he just did a he did a great job, kind of keeping a lead. He, he he was a front. He ran from the front. It was like the Reds in nineteen ninety. Yeah, wire to got, wire, wire to wire. He got the lead early, and nobody was able to catch him, and he ended up with the job. And then that's kind of you know that's just tracking that is what most of my 
uh, week was spent like. And, and it, here's how you know. This was my subtle message. Um, when we do those hot boards, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to rotate around the pictures. You're supposed to rotate around the, the slides. This person here, that person there. You notice what never changed on my hot board? No, because I never didn't have time to look at it. <laughs> the picture on the front was always John Brandon, and oh. the number the number one person in the number one slide was John Brandon. Okay. It was his job to lose, and he didn't lose it. Right. So, so that's okay. that's what it was like. Okay. So now, I, I, I'm sure what it, now that he has the job, the next thing that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about is the the current roster, the guys that are still enrolled um, on athletic scholarships for the men's basketball team. And you hear rumors here and there. Let's just start with this before, because I don't know what you can or can't say, so I don't want to put you on the spot on certain things. But yes, you do. But, well, yeah, I guess I do. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just start with like, which players on the roster do you feel like um, are the best fits for what Brandon wants to do and what he likes to do, like his style and philosophies. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but just like, what? Who, which players jump out of, out of you as like, hmm, this guy in Brandon's system, could really, uh, really thrive. Jaron Cumberland. Okay, yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think Trey Scott really could. Um, As evident by, it's a guy John recruited when he was at Alabama. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that a lot, that they had an existing relationship, and I think that has been a huge part of – this this team buying in quicker because the leader of the team, the vocal leader of the team had a relationship with John and was able to tell everybody, we're going to be all right. Like, this is a good dude. I've known him. We've talked. We have a relationship. Um, so I think that was a big part of the buy-in. I think Trey fits really well in this system. I am certain with John, he's going to continue to work on developing that outside shot, which as we saw uh, towards the end of the season, that you know really came on and he was able to knock those down um with some consistency not you know amazing consistency but he was he was at least somebody you had to tag if he got an open look from the perimeter um i think keith williams is probably the biggest one that could really take a jump here it's a lot of transition it's a lot of open court stuff it's a lot of attacking the rim and getting layups uh, he's going to have to jump up, I would say, in probably that 35 36% three-point range. Um, but other than that, every other part of his game fits what John Brandon wants to do. Yeah, because I think when, you know, obviously John has a uh, reputation for wanting as many shooters as possible out there. But, but like we said before, I mean, he wants, he wants layups and free throws. So there's Keith, and, and if they're going to, press and and try to run you know try to push the tempo then yeah Keith should fit right into that and and Keith went from what 14 to 28 percent from three from his freshman to sophomore and he was in the 30s for quite a while this year he just he hit that real cold spell in the last uh I don't know whatever it is six eight games or so yeah but he, he there was a stretch there in the beginning part of conference play where he I mean he was nailing them he wasn't yeah. taking a lot of them but I mean I think he he'll work. I mean, he's going to work on it. I think he'll yeah, be better. I don't, I don't know if he problem. has the potential to be like a 38, 39 guy, but yeah, I mean, 33 to 35, I think is in this day and age is, is serviceable. It's at least, you know, you have to guard him. So yeah. So Keith, um, so Jaron Keith 
and uh, and Trayvon, and then um, an interesting guy would be Trevor Moore, right? Because Trevor Moore was uh, he's struggled mightily these two years shooting the three, cons- trying to be trying to be consistent. He's had his moments. Came in his reputation as 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 a guy that can nail him, that can wet him. So um, I don't know, maybe uh, a, a different look, a different feel. Maybe he gets going. Who knows? Yeah, I think, you know, hopefully he can find his confidence because that's been the biggest part. He can hit him any other time. Watch him in practice. Watch him in warm-ups. Watch him in his sleep. He can hit three-point shots. It's just that when the lights go on, he has struggled having that consistent confidence to knock down the three um, with regularity. And it's been a situation where, like, if he hits the first one, he's fine. Yeah, but, but you it, know what? Well, let me – what if – I mean, he never really got consistent minutes. Like, he never knew there yeah. were certain games he played more than others. And even when he would get in, it's not like he's playing eight, ten minutes in a row a lot. So some, you know, maybe he just needs to be one of those deals where he's in the second unit. He knows he's going to play from this minute to this minute. And he gets, he gets more in a rhythm. I don't know. He could be a rhythm guy. Because in practice, like, you know, you're, you're in a rhythm because you're not coming out. I mean, everyone's playing five on five with the team. Yeah, so, I mean that's fair to, some of that. to an extent. Some of some of that. Of yeah, that. but if you're a, yeah. if you're a bench guy, like you got to be able to come in and 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 get it going. And the problem is with Trevor. The problem was if he missed, he got gun shy. His confidence dropped immediately, and you can't be a shooter and do that. No, you can't have a conscience. It's got to be like a defensive back in football that gets beat for a touchdown. Yeah, you, you can't worry about that. You got you got to get right back out there and fire the next one. And and he really struggled with that, so that's yeah. where he's got it. That's where his growth has got to come, uh, and that's something John's going to have to work on. But I think he can. Yeah. So I was interested. I I, I browsed through the um, the uh, Monday night uh, Ask Chad session, which was which was really heated last night, of course. Oh, jeez. And, uh, and uh, but I, I thought that the thing that step that. Uh, shot out at me was that when somebody asked the same question I'm asking now, and you said Mamadou Diara and, um, you know, as, as a guy that potentially could be a, um, a defensive anchor cause he's six ten and has that wingspan and then he can, he can, you know, he's got some scoring ability. Yeah. So, so he's, he's very intriguing to see what happens in a more open situation and, and where he fits in. I mean, is that, I mean, what, what do you think, um, like just thinking about him and in, in, in a different, I guess, setting would be, I mean, what, what comes to mind for you with, with Mamadou as far as like what he needs to do? Well, one, he's got to get stronger. Cause that's what really has killed him defensively. Yeah. Teams have just taken him right inside and gone at him because he, he doesn't have the strength to bang with them. He doesn't have the strength to really hold off a, a, a physical low post player. So, I think that's a big part of it. Two, he's got to continue to learn the game, and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for him this summer because John is a lot more offensive minded, so he's gonna have to switch his focus into learning the intricacies of John's offense, which is not the most complicated thing in the world, and and didn't prevent John from getting the job. Thank you very much. Um, that was something that came up on the message board, um, but. It is a situation where, you know, he's going to have to learn to keep up with all that stuff, continue to, to, to develop strength. But if he does, you want to talk about playing 94 feet 
and running end to end and and really being a guy that can can be a challenge for other teams to handle offensive and defensively um blocking shots rebounding you know uh, rim running for dunks things of that nature he could be a real threat uh if he if he picks up this system by John Brandon very quickly yeah okay so yeah so there's definitely some some intrigue moving forward with that so the other thing I think people are bringing up quite a bit is is you know how's he going to build his staff I, I imagine he may take at least somebody from NKU. I, mean, I don't think he's trying to post the whole staff or anything I, like that. But if there I may had be a to certain, guess, yeah. If I had to guess, I would say probably bring it one bench assistant with him from NKU, and then you know sometimes they'll you'll bring you know one or two guys into your support role. Right, and he's got a pretty good he's got a pretty good pool to do it. Um, they they've given him a pretty good. Uh, Budget. He's got a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget for the three bench coaches, which is a slight increase over what Mick had, and then a one point one five million overall budget uh, for his staff. Mm. So he's in a pretty good place in terms of being out to being able to go out uh, and make some good hires. Maybe not that four hundred thousand dollar hire uh, for a guy that you know is one of the big big time recruiters, but at that level you can you can you can do a lot of damage and have a, a pretty solid staff uh for here at Cincinnati. Well I'm, I guess any 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 thoughts I mean, I'm sure you probably have some people in mind cuz you know John has a lot of relationships when he's been coaching for so long and playing and all that. Yeah, not but, yet. Um, nothing that, yeah, nothing really surfacing that that you want to reveal or you just it's just kind of still still too early. I think it's still too early. I think he was and I've I've tried to pry on this. Trust me, I think he he meant everything he said when he talked about he was going to be diligent and he wasn't going to make a hire, you know, just because a recruiting period has come in or you know he's not going to force himself into getting somebody in here that he doesn't think is the absolute right person. Um, so I I think that's something that he's being very genuine with because I don't think you know I, I've got some names that I might be interested in but that's just checking out you know following the branches of the billy donovan tree and right and where john has been at previous stops and who he's worked with and who he knows um but you know we'll get into that probably as we we get through the weekend and get into next week i can see you know maybe trying to get one guy maybe two guys in place for next weekend when you know it, it's recruiting season yeah so the recruiting season uh it, it it's was it starts on wednesday and then go is that what you said? The nineteenth is when it officially opens. Oh, but okay. the so AAU Friday. period okay. the AAU period is next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. That's so, the open period for April this year. Right. So these are these are the so the, so this at this at this point when you're coming into April, you're looking at like just late high school guys who just have not committed yet. And then you've got, you know, the the grad transfer portal and I guess if 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 possible some junior college guys. Is that right? I mean I because I, I well, you have regular like, transfers, you have grad transfers. Okay. Junior college is just there's nothing really there is anymore. That, I'm trying there, to remember. I'm trying to remember like when UC has had guys that have committed in this late period that like for the upcoming year that have been significant guys. I mean, it seems like a lot of their guys are usually early signees. It's not like they just oh we added this guy for this up. I, I just can't remember a lot of them. Maybe I'm just drawing a blank. I mean, you're more tapped into the recruiting 
So I guess the okay. question is like, it, could some significant names pop up that just whoa, okay, they got that guy. Ooh, they got this guy. Or is it maybe? Just, I mean, I yeah. think I think more so right now the transfer market is is where you would find a name like that to pop up. Right. Be it a traditional transfer, or be it a grad transfer. I think it's much more likely to happen in the transfer market than the high school market. That's not to say a high school name or two isn't going to pop up. There still are some guys, but there's not a lot out there at this point in time. Okay. So the transfer market, at least for what I'm looking at, uh, would probably be in the grad transfer market because John has done that some before. Um, could be, uh, you know, something to keep an eye on as we, we get situated in this thing, you know, over the weeks yeah. to come. It's, Wednesday, it's, yeah. Wednesday, tomorrow is the first signing day. Okay. That, I remember. Okay. But it's, that's it's a cra- dead period. Yeah. It's so crazy to think about this grad transfer portal because, like, I mean, there's there's 300 plus schools, and like, I mean, I, I know not everyone likes to take grad transfers, but quite a few do. So it, it just, how does it do? Is it it's like the Wild West where it just like everyone's you just call up 10 different guys and like, hey, we're interested, hey, and then they're Kinda getting calls now, from everybody. Yeah. I mean, geez, well, like, how does it work? What happens in the in the transfer portal is your number is in there. Oh, so if you're in the transfer portal, every coach in the country has access to your number. So they can just call a lot of like in the in the old days the way the transfers worked a lot of times was that you had to have kind of an in you had to you had to know his guy or you know you knew his AAU coach and his AAU coach is looking around for him uh, things of that nature and now they just put their name in the portal and whoever calls calls now relationships still play a play a big part in a lot of that obviously um, yeah. but. It's a little bit more open now. It's a little bit more transparent now that that everybody has a chance to just make a call and see what a guy's up to. So are you prepared to comment at all on Javen Cumberland? That's no. what a lot of people have been talking about. Okay. No. I mean, I, did, I, I knew of him from the article I wrote this year. Uh, you know, he was a senior when Jaron was a junior in high school. And then I looked, he was at Oakland and he was just – a hair under 40% from three this year. I think he's about six foot three and he was seven for 14 against NKU in the horizon tournament from three. So I'm, I'm sure that's a name that'll pop up, but I, I imagine that there's, there's going to be some dark horse people that, that are going to emerge here as far as transfers or recruits or whoever that no one had any clue about. I would think, I mean, just cause it's just a whole new, you know, uh, regime as far as like relationships and, you know, the different areas of the country and all that. Right. I mean, it's just hard to read where he's going to go with it. I would think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hopefully as things settle in, we'll get a better feel for that right now. It, it really was about getting to know the team. Yeah. Um, getting a feel for the team, getting it because here's the thing, Justin, you don't know what you need until you know what you have. Yeah. So, yeah. Once he gets a couple days of working guys out and and getting a feel for what he thinks he needs, then I think you'll see some more movement on that front. Okay. For right now, it's just a matter of you know who are these guys? What what do they do that fits well with my system? What are they like off the court? How do they fit into my culture? I don't think there's going to be any problem with that. Right. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. So you know. There's a lot that goes into it that you don't think about. You just think, all right, well, let's go get some guys. Well, you got to make sure you get guys that fill needs, guys that fit what you think you need help in. Now, a lot, you know, people are going to say the easy one is shooting, and I don't think they're wrong. John's a coach that 
lives by analytics, puts a heavy emphasis on shooting the basketball. Um, that is something that, especially with the graduation of Justin Jennifer and Kane Broom, they're going to need some help in. So I, I think that's – but do you need a point guard that can shoot? Do you need a wing? Do you need a, a, a combo forward? You know, do you need – do you think you need maybe a five that can come in and shoot the ball? Um, so that's, that's really where we're at right now is uh, going through workouts this week, figuring out – what what he has on the team, how he thinks those things fit, and then developing an, a plan to improve the roster based on what he has seen here over the past couple of days or what he will see over the next couple of days. Yeah, and I know you got to go, but just like maybe 60 seconds before you got to go here. We, so, got, we got like uh, three or four more minutes I can okay, go. Okay, okay, okay. So, so to, to that point you were just talking about and he, trying to find out who he has, I know there's a lot of stuff floating around about you know, who may decide to go elsewhere. Um, and I know that he's been meeting with people, meeting with players the last couple days. And I imagine that there's room, there'll be rumors going around as this guy thinks he might leave or this guy, because I've heard multiple guys. Then I've heard, oh, this guy actually might stay. So, I mean, what are you, what are you allowed to say? Like, what can you like, just give me whatever you can at this point. Or well, I, I, re- I reported on the board. I know there was some, some concern over Nizir Brooks, his, his guardian's wife put something out yesterday. I heard something yesterday um, that he was unhappy that th- that they were unhappy that there had been no contact. Uh, Nas was home for a funeral in Philadelphia. I think that caused a, a crossing of the wires, a mix-up. Um, but I think so far, Nas was back today. From what I've heard, he met with Coach Brandon. Uh, I heard the meeting went well from an outside source, um, and then I heard he was at, at workouts today. So. I would think things are moving back in the right direction uh, in terms of will Nas or won't he enter his name into the transfer portal. Yeah. Other than that, I haven't, you know, there's been a lot of speculation by other people, but there's nothing that's, you know, nothing that's been anything more than just people speculating. Um, So we'll see. I I know, you know, we saw the guys that were at the press conference. You would have to assume they are on board. UC put out a picture today of the workouts. Jaron Cumberland was there. I think that's a very good thing. That's a good sign. He hasn't disconnected. Um, saw Logan Johnson in the picture. Saw Keith Williams in the picture. You know Trey Scott is invested. And, yeah. and you know, those are your core of guys right now. Trevor Moore was at the press conference. Um, so, Yeah, well, you, I, that goes back to the, the previous coaching um, regime was just like how close-knit you know, this, this, these rosters have been, these, these guys have been so, and you talk about Trayvon, right? I mean, he's, he's like the voice, he's like the heart and soul of the whole deal. And so if he's bought, if he's bought in, then I'm sure he's, he's, you know, having one-on-ones with his guys or doing what he needs to do. Cause I know he knows he needs everybody on board and he, I know he's ready to get to work. And, and I think a lot of them are. So, um, I guess it would, I mean, maybe, I mean, it's not going to shock you if somebody just, uh, you know, decides they want to go elsewhere. Cause this happens. There's always turnover when coaches change. And we haven't seen this since, since Huggins, because when Mick came, there was only one guy left. Right. And so, and everyone was seniors the year before. So this is just, this is something you, you just have not seen. So it's just, I mean, it, and it's, it's, it's new to everybody. It. Yeah. It's new, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that the guys would, uh, that the players would, would, you know, meet John and, and be like, all right, let's give, let's give the guy a shot. And if for whatever reason, at some point they're not feeling it, then I mean, they, they can always leave at any time. 
Yeah, and a guy that they believe in, a guy that they trust, is vouching for him, which right. I, I can't, I can't express how important that is for a group of guys that is this close. The guy that the, the guy that they look to the, for advice, the guy they look to for guidance, the guy they look to for leadership, is all in on this guy, and he's ready to get to work. Yeah, the graduate, the, you know, the guy that's that's been here, going on his fifth year, he's ready to get to work. I think that 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 bodes very well for everybody else being ready to get to work also. Cool. Well, all right. Well, thanks for having me on. I know you got to go talk to your boy. And uh... I, yeah, I got to get off here and do the interview that's going to air in the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, well, I, I was said. supposed I was supposed to talk to him earlier, and he was in the middle of of work. Uh, so he he was like, "Hey, can we we do it a little bit later?" I was like, "Yeah, we can do it at the end of the podcast, and then we'll just insert it in the beginning of the podcast because that's what everybody wants to hear anyway." Yeah, which so you already did. Yeah, you already did that. I did that as as of people that are listening to it. So there you go. Yeah. So All thanks right, for having me on. And no, yeah. thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. Uh, for for working for free on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a check. Yeah, that's fine. Just, All just right. buy me a UDF malt at some point. We'll be fine. I can do that. All right, okay. Berg. Thanks, brother. Right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, see you. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. Thanks for tuning in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.